But that's that mentoring experience. And that's what podcasts and that's what we hope our podcast become for people is an opportunity to to almost like a masterclass situation. Because uh, there are teachers out there who, who are rock starring, uh, who understand what it takes to do what we do. But nobody knows who they are. Nobody's heard their voice. No one's, no one's, you know, there's not a camera in every teacher's room capturing all these moments and, and putting them in a file. And you may have never experienced it, and then you may listen to it on a podcast, and then all of a sudden you experience it, and it's like, oh, I remember them saying, okay, this is how you, okay, got it. And even though it may be like, no, nah, I can't do that, but it gives me an idea. It sparks an idea in my mind of what I can do. What's going on, fam? Welcome back to the ABCs of Inspired Teaching. My name's Kyle Krieger. This episode we are dropping for you today is um, a part of the conversation series that Will and I have been having over the last couple weeks, just um, trying to get our ducks in a row is maybe the best way to say it, and just it started with us being reflective on the year, and, and um, it's really been more of the conversations we've had as friends rather than teachers and educators of just um, linking back up and, and being supportive to one another. And we want to share this with you because there's a lot in here that we think is good um, and we're sharing. So we appreciate you listening. Um, please let us know if we can do anything for you, anything we can do to support you. Um, and we hope you enjoy it. We promise soon we're going to get back to the to the guests and the episodes, but for now we're going to share what we have and what's on our mind. So we appreciate you listening. Enjoy the podcast. A couple of things I, I had written down from our, well, I'll, I'll say a couple of things. We, we had wanted to maybe do a podcast talking about what our situation was when we were having that wrap a couple of weeks ago. We had talked about that. I wanted to maybe explore, you know, this idea of what it means to go above and beyond expectations and what it means to say no to that. But I, I, I got to tell you, I, we were we were in church Saturday night and the priest gave a sermon about um, Jesus was the start of his miracles and his mother, Mary said something to the effect of, if not now, when, and if not you, whom, and I was, it was one of those moments where you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was talking directly to me. Um, but yeah, man, otherwise we can just wrap and see where it goes. You know, I thought about something that, that we were talking about with the um, with both of us kind of being in that state of flux of um, what we're going to do next year. Which I, from to my understanding, from a lot of people I've talked to or a lot of people I follow on Instagram, there's a lot of teachers who are in some degree of that state of flux well not, let's not even talk about other teachers let's talk directly about just the decision itself 
And I had a revelation yesterday when I was outside with my dogs. And I said to myself, if I were in a place where I did not feel valued, I did not feel a sense of worth, I did not feel a sense of community, um, I didn't feel a sense of, um, okay, uh, I'm, I'm, part of, I'm part of this team and this team is, is guiding me then I cannot justify <clears throat> under any situations remaining in a situation such as that. It's like being in a bad relationship, saying, oh, I'd rather stay with the devil I know. Um, and so I have just began to say, for me, this is my last year in the classroom. And I'm saying that now out loud to you because uh, we've kind of talked about it and jostled it around, but this year, 2022, 2021, 2022, will be my last year in the classroom. Where, what's next? I don't know. But you, you, you know the book as well as I do in The Alchemist when he says that when you make a decision that the whole universe conspires to bring that, bring that what you've decided to do to you. When you make a decision. And so when we're always in that state of flux of, you know, I want to go, but, you know, I'll, I would leave, but I want to go, but, and it doesn't have to be me walking around the campus saying, yeah, I ain't going to be here next year. I won't be here next year. I'm out of this joint. No, it's me working, doing my thing. Getting it done. And once this year is over with, believing that what I what my next step is gonna what my next step is going to be is going to come because I made a decision. Because you put the work in to make the decision happen. Right. And that was a part of the the sermon that the the priest gave as well was like, you know, God doesn't doesn't call us to like watch him do it himself hmm. like god's like all right so how are we and the priest kept saying so so god said is saying to us how are we gonna how are we gonna take care of this and he went no 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 i'm i mean i want you to take care of this and he's like yep i get it how are we gonna take care of this continually saying yes. like that we have to be uh uh a co-conspirator in those things that we want to make happen mm -hmm. You know, it's funny because you, you, my pastor said last week that every time God is calling you to something, he's calling you to do something. And understanding the word vocation, a vocation is simply a calling. That's what it means. Vocation means to call, a calling, a draw. And knowing that at the end of the day, my calling is not connected to any one school. My calling is not connected to any classroom. My calling is connected to what God has placed in my heart for me to do while I'm on this earth. And that's to inspire 
and help raise up the next generation of, 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 of young humans to, to come out and do their best. Why did he choose me? I have absolutely no idea. Absolutely no idea. I, 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 I still get bumfuddled at the idea that, that me, a, a person who gave up on school, never really believed in school, thought it was a joke, never really took it seriously until now. I think my master's degree, actually me going off to college kind of opened my eyes up. But all through high school, like I was never that, like, I wanted to go to the military. I told you that before. That was my, that was my ticket to where I wanted to be is that, you know, USMC is where I was going. Like I, I had taken my ASVABs test. All I had to do is go down and warn in. I was ready to rock and roll. That's, that's where I wanted to serve. The universe had different plans. And it sent me to college. And so when I got to college, I had to quickly learn what is it that you want out of life? Because right now you have an opportunity to look at where you've been, what, you're, what you just left. You can see where you at and now decide where you want to go. And so it's been just a, a, I mean, life is just about a bunch of decisions, but indecision will rob you of every great thing that life has for us. You know, the Bible says this, the Bible says, um, uh, don't be a double-minded man. You know, being blown in any direction. Oh, this is a great idea. Yeah, 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 I'm gonna run with that idea. Nah, we think you're going to go here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a better idea. No, this is a great one. Oh, yeah, you're right. That is a better one. No, stand on your convictions. You know, I always paint the picture of somebody who wears a belt and suspenders. Why do I need two devices to hold up my britches? You know? Unless, unless one is just for show. And then in that case, why would I do anything for show? Just saying. Yeah, I can, uh, in in the literal sense, I can definitely say that I have been a suspenders and belt kind of person, not knowing, like, think, I, I think that's because I always viewed the suspender as the fashion piece rather than a function piece. But, you know, a lot of things you said in that, that strike me is, you know, making the decision. But I, I think on a personal level, and I think a lot of our listeners would want to hear this too. How do you balance that making that decision with the responsibilities you have as, you know, a dad and a husband um, and, you know, a quote unquote provider? Because I know people will hear you say that and think that you're just going to just straight up peace out and, throw caution to the wind and you know you'd rather not teach at all or do anything than do those kind of things so I guess the question is like again on a personal level and a professional level like how do you how do you balance 
the 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 risk associated with a statement like that um along with putting those things in place to help you get to where you want to be you know a buddy of mine um chad wright told me about 15 years ago he said to me there is no price tag great enough to put on peace of mind. You're no good to your wife if you're not at peace in your mind. You're no good to your child if you don't have a great sense of mind. So when I make the statement that this is my last year in a classroom, that statement, I'm sending that up to God saying, God, look, this is it. So whatever you have next, I'm preparing myself for. So in that process between now, January 17th and May 31st, there has to be some action that's taking place. Remember, God is never going to call us to something without calling us to do something. He wants us to be active. There's nothing about my faith that says passive. Actually, everything about faith says active because faith says I'm going to believe in something that I can't see. I'm going to live as if this is what I believe. That's action. You know, they always paint the picture of you walk into a dark room and they tell you the stairwell is right in front of you. All you got to do is take a step, but you can't see the stairwell. But it called, he called you to a challenge. Now it's something for you to do. And so when you when you make a statement like that, when you're, and again, I'm not leaving the classroom because I'm just throwing my hands up and saying, I'm fed up with my administration. I'm fed up with my, with, 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 with the students and these students can't do this and da, da, da. I, I, I'm leaving because I'm saying, there's nothing more that I can do in my current position. And so why stay here and stay stagnant? There's very little room for me to grow. This year has been my most challenging year because I've learned so much more. New math curriculum, new scope and sequence, you know, trying to get kids who, you know, we talked about before on the other show, the, the previous shows that kids who have this huge social and academic um, deficit, so it's been a challenging year, but I'm learning that even though I'm learning so much and I'm doing things different, I've really kind of maxed out my ability in this arena. There's nothing else left for me to prove in this arena that I'm in. So in order for me to get a greater challenge, not running away from a challenge, but in order for me to get a greater a challenge to grow in the way that I need to, I got to change the pot. Or I got to transfer from the pot into the ground so that now that I can give birth to a whole lot more. It's kind of hard to grow a shade tree in a flower pot. And if I'm saying God put me on here to support this, this craft that we both love so much and to support you know, fostering it and, and developing the minds of, of the next generation, then I have to believe 
that my role is bigger than my classroom. You know, I tried it being instructional specialist. That actually gave me a greater craving for, um, for the classroom because it took me away from it. So that's always that fear. It's like, okay, am I fooling myself? You know, I, I, I've, I've jumped out of the classroom before and jumped my behind right back in, not because I couldn't do the job, not because the challenge was too great, but because the battle to do what I love, and I don't want to get emotional. God, don't do this. I love helping kids. And I think that when you have teachers who really love helping kids, it makes it hard when you're trying to make a decision to leave the classroom. And I was about to post to make a post on my, uh, my Instagram to just ask my friends who are administrators and campus leaders to say, hey, look, when did you know that it was time? When did you know that it was time for you to go? Because I've heard the horror stories of people say, oh, I just couldn't handle the classroom anymore. I had to do something different. So I became an assistant principal. That's not the people we want leading our building. Because those are the people who, when they come back to your classroom, they're walking into an environment that they have a disdain for. So where's the spark of joy? So now I'm looking at it differently saying, why are you leaving the classroom? I'm maxed out. I'm maxed out. I've taught generations of family members. I've seen kids go to prison that I've taught. And I've seen kids go off and graduate college and become teachers themselves. So for me, it's just like, I think for anybody who's hearing this message right now, it's not a, a run and jump off the cliff right now. It's making a decision to say that when I come to that cliff, I'm prepared to jump. And what, yeah. is, what, is, what does that pre- preparing mean? That preparation means that I've, I've, I've sent out my resume. I've, I've, I've looked into other possibilities. I didn't just wait until May to come to find something to do. I started finding something to do in January. I started having conversations with people in January so that now the universe can hear me talking about what I want and making the moves because again, I am so sold on the idea that when we make a decision, that the whole universe, think about that, that's everything conspires with you to make that come to pass. So the question is, are we asking or asking for the right things, but just not making a decision on what we want? Or are we not asking for the right thing, making a decision? And we're not getting it because we're in the wrong place. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, a couple of first points there. I, I hadn't been able to articulate it prior to now, but what you just said about feeling like there's not much more you could do in, in the classroom in terms of that teaching, that's where I'm at. Like, I could continue to teach social studies indefinitely. And I could do it with very little prep. And I could have 
know, a pretty decent life, especially if I could get myself into one of the public schools in my area that would, you know, really increase my salary, but that's not what I want to do. And I, yesterday I was talking with Brittany and, and I wrote down, you know, the priorities for what I want in my next job. And the priority is first to work with teachers and then secondarily to work with students. Now I didn't say teach because I want, I want to, I would love to be in a job where I could work with both, but I also want to get my time back and to have some more flexibility. Mm-hmm. And I think thinking about trying to find that in a public school is probably going to be really hard. I don't think there are a lot of those positions that are available in public schools. So even just what you said, opening my mind up to something different, setting myself up for something different and being open to the possibilities. Now, I know what my number one priority would be. I know what I would want to do, number one. And that would be first, just you and I would be, would be working together, co- you know, working as a team to coach 25 to 50 teachers throughout the year and mentor kids. That would be what I would want to do. We'd have a contract with some school district for, you know, or a couple school districts to run their mentoring programs. We'd do some speaking on the side around our book, and we would build that indefinitely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think you kind of put two things in there, don't go. You said, I know I cannot find this in a public school. Then you said that you believe in the possibilities. So those two don't coincide. Yeah. So sometimes we have to realize that in our decision-making, are we overthinking our decision-making? Because think about it. When you're getting to the point to where you're about to jump out of an airplane, and I have not done it. It is on my bucket list. Awesome. I do, I do want to skydive. I think that that is, that is an experience that I do me and you, have. Me and you and the colonel this summer. I'm with it. I'm with it. I I'm guarantee he would it. do it. Oh, I, 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 come on. He, I went. <laughs> I went. I went with Van. Yeah, like, I remember. When I, first I remember. Started, when she... And I bought an extra skydive from that place when I went skydive Spaceland, which is on mm-hmm. the southwest side. Mm-hmm. So if I were to come, mine's already paid for. But anyway, you were talking about when you were getting set to jump out of an airplane. When you're getting set to do it. So there's no, I'm going to jump, but if this doesn't happen, then I'll do this. That preparation goes through your mind before you even get in the plane. You have those conversations before you even get in a plane. But making the decision to jump, you don't make the decision to jump around how, whether or not you think this is going to happen or whether or not you think this is going to be available or whether or not you think, no, you make the decision to jump because you're there and this is what I have to do. And so don't put limits or limitations on your possibilities because then they're not all possibilities. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and that's you know I mean? even even, and it it makes me think about just hypothetically how often I do that, like how often my words are contradicting what I actually want. And you have, since I met you, you have told me, you know, you get you got to be careful what you speak. Oh man, I had a, I had a nine year old tell me last night the importance of life and death lying in the power of your tongue. His words were, when you say bad things, then bad things happen. So you may as well say good things so that good things happen. That's the nine-year-old's philosophy. Well, and I've been fighting this thing where, like, I play out the worst-case scenarios in the school that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Like I just show up at school and I, I stand up for something or I say something or I do something and it winds up costing me my job and how I would deal with that. And I wonder if it's, I don't, I shouldn't wonder. I know it's not helping. I know it's not bringing anything good in my life to, to think that way. I'm just struggling to reprogram it. But there's so many things in my life that I could reprogram in its place that would bring so much more into my life. I got so many other things that I need to be worried about right now. But here's my question. I often say this. Whenever we find ourselves in a situation, the reprogramming has to happen is because the first thing we think of in any situation is the worst case scenario. The first thing we think about when we when we face a challenge is something negative or bad that has happened in our past we remind ourselves of the times we failed we remind ourselves of the times that we were not successful we remind ourselves of the times that we let ourselves down or we let others down and so when we do that because of the way our brain is wired we're constantly putting forth to our minds this negative that it already knows the path to. So now there's a sense of dissonance occurs bet- within us between what we're saying and what we really believe. And so the reprogramming has to happen in that when we are looking to say, I'm going into this new venture and I'm going to, I'm going to take this leap, then instead of looking for the worst case scenario i'm looking for what's the what is the ideal outcome that i want to have from this what do i want to have occur from this and this i took this approach going back to my classroom this 2022 is what is the best possible outcome that i would like to have and write about about this day and when you go in it with that mind, you've already psyched your mind out because your mind is like a little, uh, it's almost like a little, um, I envision it almost like a little, uh, what do you call it? Um, like like a little like a little snake or like a little, you know, little, little, little troll or something looking for the thing that we give it. It's constantly trying to find what we give it. So when we tell it, oh, I feel horrible today. 
then the brain starts looking for things that'll make you feel horrible. Because that's, that's the image that we put up there. And when we're constantly putting that out there, then it's gonna constantly seek out the gloom. It's gonna constantly seek out the worst case scenario. It's gonna constantly seek out, you know, all the negative things that has happened in our past. But when we can reprogram it, our thinking in the very beginning to look at it and say, again, what is the best possible outcome? That was my whole thing with COVID. You know, going back to the classroom, you know, I have large class sizes and now we're, you know, we're having districts, Sealy closed down last week, won't open back up till Wednesday. HISD is not open tomorrow, won't come back till Wednesday because they're trying to do a deep clean to get COVID numbers that are rising in the district. Another district, Conroe ISD is contemplating it because they've had so many uh, cases of teachers and, and, and students being out and they have an issue with staffing the campuses because they're, I mean, even in our own district, we have district personnel that's coming out of their, their, their offices and going into the classroom to go teach and sub because we're short. So you're putting a teacher shortage already on top of teachers who are taking five to 10 days out of the classroom because of sickness or exposure. Now, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it just it just keeps bottlenecking and, and just keeps on building up. But at the end of the day, you gotta ask yourself the question, what is the best possible outcome? My outcome is I wanna make sure my kids don't fall behind in their learning. Yeah. I mean, and that's and I just wrote that down as kind of like it's that same point you make and you ask kids, did you plan for this to happen today mm -hmm. you know when i'm thinking to myself i've really gotten away from my meditation practice i've really gotten away from my morning journaling practice oh, i know both those are so critical yeah and and it's like you you work yourself into this frenzy of i've got to get all of these things done and you mm -hmm. don't realize like this morning or like last night i said you know, on the days when I'm not going down to my school, I think that extra 45 minutes that I would get is best used sleeping. I can give myself that extra 45 minutes of sleep because I think that really makes a difference. But even with this, stopping and saying, like, just, I want to make a sheet that says, that I fill out every day, like, what is the best possible outcome for today? That would make me think through all of the things that I've got coming. Mm. And it'll make you look for the best possible outcome in every challenge. Yeah. Because here's, here's the thing. <clears throat> I often used to tell people, there's no need to create drama. Life is a drama. You know, life, life is going to bring its own drama. Life is going to bring its own drama, regardless of how you look at it. And that goes, you can go all the way back in history to the beginning. You know, I was talking with one of the teachers, one of our uh, former teachers of the year, and he said, Law, students haven't changed. Kids haven't changed. She said, you got to remember the first count of kids that we heard, even in a Christian Bible, Cain killed Abel, who was his brother. 
So this sense of what we deal with with kids, this is not new. This sense of one-upmanship is not new. You can study any world religion, any culture, any society across this earth, and you're going to find drama. You're going to find baby mama drama. So if I know life is already going to bring me drama, my job is not to try to figure out the drama. My job is to be me and be so radiantly me that when the drama comes, it doesn't affect me. Are you up to date with season four of Yellowstone? Oh, yeah. Well, no, 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 we have not. We, we're like two, like two episodes behind, I think, right now. Well, it, I, w- I won't be spoiling any, anything for you. Oh. Um, did you see the, the episode where they ha- they're all having dinner with John and like Beth like throws a tantrum and then they wind up all sitting out at the, the smaller dinner, little dinner table? Uh-huh. And Rip mm-hmm. leans over and says to Beth, you know, life is plenty hard on its own. You, you don't need to make it any harder. And I, I, love I, that. I, I sit and think, and even as it was something that you and I have been struggling with for the now nine years that we've known each other, I, I know how much better my life is, how much clearer my focus and thinking gets when we're communicating on a regular basis. Both of us. And I Both know, I, I know how, how quickly my compass, my 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 compass, can get disoriented when I'm not, because I have the tendency to spin myself into a frenzy, and and that is the hard part around it. Is I, I've spent so much time worrying about this trip to Washington, D.C., and worrying about whether, you know, my principal will do this or whether this thing is going to be this or whether we're going to do a shutdown or whether I'm going to wind up with 45 kids in the class and whether, you know, how, however we're going to do it. But if I would just stop and, you know, in that, in those situations, write down that thing and write down what is the best case scenario? What is the worst case scenario? And you can look at them and you should, based on your experience, be able to surmise which one's more likely. I would rather, if our staffing gets so bad, do some type of block scheduling where I have a whole bunch of kids at one time. If, if I need to supervise kids in my room while another teacher is Zooming in and teaching virtually, I would rather do that than be in a position where we're going full virtual again, where you you know that they're you're gonna lose kids. Mm-hmm. And I can handle that. But I think if I wouldn't catastrophize so much, it would also help me to focus on the situations going on around me that really I can't stand for like because there are certain things that I I want to stand up for there are certain things that I want to you know put my foot down on Mm -hmm. you can't put your foot down on 
on stuff when you feel like it's going to wind up costing you your job. But sometimes refocusing yourself will automatically make some things fall away because they won't become be in the spirit of your of your thinking. You know what I'm saying? The the issues that you're having right now at your campus, how important would they be if you've already committed to yourself that you're not coming back next year and you're you actively start seeking? And when I say actively, I'm not saying one day you 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 put in an application, you you brush up your resume. One day you look at a teacher board here or you look at a board here in Indeed or something like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you actively, you have to go after a job. My old pastor used to say, job ain't just going to call you up and be like, hey, I'm job. I heard you was looking for me. And he said, he used to say that because we know that that doesn't happen, when you want something new, you have to, even when you have a job, you have to look for a job as if you don't. Look for a job as if next paycheck is not guaranteed. Like you're, you know you're not going to get another paycheck and I need to get this next job, even if the job is not until six months down the line. Because again, knowing that, knowing what, what we know, I don't think too many employers would be like, hey, look, yeah, I applied for this position. I see that you want to open up in March. My school year doesn't end to May. I'm willing to come on board in a small capacity in March to kind of start help putting the pieces together, you know, so that we can be ready to rock and roll. But I have a commitment to what I'm doing. See, ours are different because see, you are, you're not under contract. I am under contract. Okay. But I could get out of it at any point. Yeah. See, like with and us, I can't get out of my contract. Like, they have to release you, right? They don't have to. Uh, no, but for you to be able to get out, they would. You would ask, and they would have to release you from your contract, right? They don't have to release you from your contract. No. But not that's the only that. But that's the only way you could get out of your contract. Not like me, where I could walk in tomorrow and be like, hey, "Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, because I remember now, I could just quit. I could just drop everything and quit. But then they're gonna put a that's gonna put a mark against my my, my teacher certification, teacher certification, which if I'm applying for any job in education, they're gonna look at that and say, okay, well, you abandoned ship on on a team. Yeah. And so it makes it that much harder to go back into, you know, to stay in the field that you're in. So, you know, and me, I'm all about honoring honoring my my, my contract. You know, I signed a contract. You know, I love the fact that Aldine only does one-year contracts. So every year, I'm signing a different one. And so in my mind, I've already said, I know they're getting ready to come around. You know, this is that time of year that they start coming yeah. around mm, yeah, and asking. So. And, and, and it's, um, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I had that point. Um Thursday when I was so frustrated um, that I said to Brittany, I'm like, I'm not going to sign this. Like, I'm just not going to do it. And that turned into quite the argument because she, from her perspective, you can't, I, I can't put myself in a position where the fall comes around and I don't have anything. But then the question now, don't be frustrated. 
Frustration comes when you know what you should be doing and you're not doing yeah. it. That's when frustration, that's the only time frustration comes about. Yeah. It cannot rear its ugly head if I know that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing at this moment. Yeah. So if that's, the, if that's your stance, then my question is simple. What are you doing? And I'm not talking about, again, the, oh, I looked at a couple of positions. Oh, I looked at a couple of this. No, as many people as you know, in this education sphere. If your job is to do, if your goal is to do consulting work, do you know how many people you potentially have access to? But in order to reach out to them, you gotta reach out to them with a product. You gotta reach out to them with something that you're trying to sell them. You know, still, still something from Uncle Grant. Sell, 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 baby. That's what it's all about, making that paper. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? Like we, we're always selling something. We're selling our abilities. We're selling product. We're selling our, our 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 clothes. We're selling. I mean, every time we walk out, we're most of us are walking billboards selling for somebody else. You know why do you think New Era puts their brand on every single hat? Because they want to know when people are walking around and they see that NE, they're like, oh yeah, that's a new era hat, man. I need to get me a new fit, new, new hat. He's gonna get me a new cap. It's a walking billboard. Oh, that's a Nike hoodie? Man, that Nike hoodie nice. Where you get that Nike hoodie from? It's all about selling. That's all we're doing all day long. So my question is, what are you selling? And who is willing to buy it? What are you selling and who's willing to buy it? And those are the people you need to have a conversation with. And sometimes it's scary, man. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I, I was sitting here thinking about the Mac and the opportunity that I have with, with Base Heavy. And, and, I, and I asked myself consistently. And I had a conversation with myself. So I'm gonna talk to myself the way I talk to myself. I said, Trey, you have a world-renowned music producer on speed dial locked in my phone i text him he responds i call him he answers who is willing to help mentor me to get into the space to create a standalone music and arts program why am i not talking to this man every day Like literally, that's the conversation I just had to have with myself over the last couple of weeks. Why am I not talking to him every day? Then I start saying, well, I don't want to feel like I'm a bugaboo. You know, I don't want to feel like, you know, I'm trying to clout chase or just trying to be in his presence, you know, because, you know, this is the dude who hung, hangs out with Mo Steph and Kanye West and Snoop Dogg and, and Master P and Manny Fresh and like Lil Wayne. Like the, these are the people that he is so like, Am I not wanting to be a fanboy and call him every day? But you're not. You're calling him because you're trying to do business. Think about how many business, think about how many robocalls you get a day. You think they're caring about being a bugaboo? No, because they feel like if, if I call a thousand people a day, if I get one person to say, yes, I'm a winner. If I get you to stay on the phone with me and talk to me and hear my, my pitch, then I'm a winner. 
he's already heard the pitch. So again, Trey, why are you not calling this man every day? So that's the type of mindset we have to develop when you're saying, I'm making a decision because I want to do something different. Because then you have to deal with the harsh reality that a lot of the, I'm going to say a lot, most of the time, the majority of the time, we're our own worst enemies when it comes to advancement and promotion. We're our own worst enemy. We stifle ourselves because of pre prefabricated limits that do not exist. They don't exist. I was just listening to uh, Norman Vincent Peale the other day and he said, the greatest place to live is in your imagination. But we don't even imagine anymore as human beings. We don't like to live in imagine. You, you know, we hear people all the time, stay out of imaginary land. What's why, don't, don't be a dreamer. But don't you realize that everything great started with, with someone's imagination? I, I was telling my students the other day, I got a call, I got a text on my phone. And I was able to look, my phone was in my backpack, but I was able to look at my watch and, and, and check my message. And I started laughing because I instantly went back to Inspector Gadget. And he would say, go, go, Gadget Watch. This was way before cell phones even existed to the general public. Like, the, the cell phones were the size of this doggone water bottle. You know, they had to be, they were, they weren't, they, they, weren't, they, they weren't called cell phones at that point. They were called car phones or mobile phones. You know, you had the little bag that you tie around your, your you put around like a, like a, like a pack and you had to carry this little pouch around with the phone inside of it. Or you had to stay plugged into your car because you can only use it when it's plugged into the cigarette lighter. Like, mm -hmm. but Inspector Gadget having conversations and watching video calls from his watch. That's imagination. And now here we are today. Your watch can monitor your blood pressure. Your watch can tell you when you're having a, an arrhythmia. Check your blood oxygen level. You know, I have a student in my classroom who's diabetic and his insulin pump is connected to his phone. And so when it beeps, he has to go to his phone to see what it is. You know, what's causing the beep? Is it low insulin, high insulin? And that's the state we're living in. But all of that came from somebody's imagination. From someone's vision. We cannot live in chaos and expect to be, expect to be imaginative. You can't live in a frustrated state and expect to produce creatively. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not. Then everything you produce has the voice of chaos. It has the voice of frustration. I was even going back listening to some of our podcasts and I could tell what you were going through based on your conversation, especially your drive ones, the ones when you were just by yourself and you were just having a conversation and you uploaded those, those conversations. And I said to myself, I said, I can hear that my friend's going through. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, even for me, I just look at what a difference that particular, um, um, that particular activity has done for me to get a lot of that frustration off of my chest before I come home and let it, let it stew more. Cause it's really easy to let your mind continue to run. I mean, cause you're, like you said, your imagination is a powerful thing. And if it's running with something negative, it's running fast. And if it's running with something positive, it's running fast too. And I, I can't help but laugh because I, this particular person, I, it, her office is right above me. And, you know, she always is, she claims to be a staunch realist. And, and it's good because you know me, like, um, I forget, we were at, we were at Think, maybe one of the first times we went to the Think conference, and I forget her name. She was a teacher in Nebraska, and she made the reference of you be me being the flag and you being the flagpole. Uh, um, I cannot think of her name for the life of me. I can still see her face. I see her face because I remember her. she had daughters. Yeah, that were um, about the same age as, as Nevaeh, yep. Um, no, she had daughters the same age as you. As me? Mm -hmm. No, she was young. She was like our age. Uh, maybe we're thinking about different people. Yeah, we may be thinking about different people. But at any rate, you know, like I, to some degree, I need to be reined in. Like I can't, I can't let, it's just as dangerous for me to let my, my mind run wild the other way. Oh. Um, but trying to get my myself thinking back and and even just thinking about what what are we selling i mean we are working on a physical product to sell we have a an intellectual product we can sell but i can sell my services to somebody and i think the virtual space makes it really interesting to sell your products in especially your services because you know and, and Brittany and I were talking about this you know maybe maybe online student mentoring is different than online teaching or maybe online teacher mentoring is different than online teaching or whatever it might be but you know it it's it's that same spot where I think it comes back to, you know, what am I was I was thinking to myself yesterday because I hadn't I've been trying to post more, and I heard you say in the back of my mind it's a poor dog that won't wag his own tail, and a poor frog that won't praise his own pond, and and I feel like there's a lot of that with me, that I'm not sharing as much as as I should. Um, and I'm and I'm working on it. And I'm getting better, and and taking the steps. So, man, this was unexpectedly good. Unexpectedly good to think about. And you know what? I think the one thing that I really need to do is make sure that I'm focused on the best possible outcome each day. Mm -hmm. I think I spent way too much time 
not even worrying about the worst, but I've spent way too many days where I haven't been focused on what, you know, what is the best possible outcome? What am I trying to achieve with this thing? Well, I think, I think that's where I need to move myself to. I think that's where I need to And it's not moving. It's just, it's not even a movement. It's just doing it. Take the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes and get my shit together. You know, it is so crucial. I was going to say as teachers, but I'm going to say as humans, that we give ourselves the first 10 or 15 and the last 10 or 15 before we close our eyes to, to go over what we've, what we expected for the day and what we actually achieved for that day. Um, in order to be able to cut your brain off, you got to tell it when to stop. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't turn my faucet on in the kitchen, walk away and think it's going to know to stop on its own. Because it's designed to flow. Our brains are, are, are designed to go to seek. And what I was trying to think about earlier, it didn't come to me to right now, it's like a game of connect the dots. That's what our brains are. It's a big game of connect the dots. We give it a bunch of little dots and say, this is what we want. And instantly our brain says, well, if we want that, then we got to do this. Because our brain is a figure-outer. It's not even a word. But you get what I mean. It's a figure-outer. That's what it does. It wants to figure out problems. It loves, it thrives on fi figuring out problems. That's why they give in 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 um in nursing homes and you know homes uh, those environments where you have those senior citizens they give them games that keeps their mind thinking crossword puzzles you know coloring activities different things that you take for granted that you look at and be like oh so my brain is actually growing when I do this my brain is actually being used and when you don't use your mind. You lose your And so when you think about it, in order to cut it off, I have to tell it my day is over with now. Let's look and see how we did. This is what we said this morning. This is what we said we wanted to do this morning. How did we do on that? Great. This is also what we said this morning. How did we do on that? Well, we kind of bombed on this one. So let's look at why we bombed. Let's replay that. We bombed this because we allowed ego to jump in or we, we allowed ourselves to become frustrated or we allowed somebody else to, to shift us and change us from where we were. So thinking for tomorrow, then that has to go back on my list because now I have not mastered that. I have not figured out how to do that. So that's something that I have to start my day with in the morning thinking about and being conscious of. You know, I had to do that with, with how I snap on certain kids. I had to step back and I realized, I was like, I have to make a goal that I don't go off when this kid says something just totally outlandish. And that took practice. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It takes practice. Because even sometimes our facial expressions will give away. But guess what? That's still a response that that kid's going to react to. And their behavior got exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. So we have to know that when we're when we're doing those times of reflection in the morning, and I try to do mine right in the morning or right when I get home. Because I don't like to wait till I get ready to go to bed because I want my brain to stop and shift gears as soon as I get home. So it may be when I'm outside with my dogs. Again, this is not anything that you got to go build a place for. You don't need a he, a man cave or a she shed to go do this. You can do this while you're just taking a walk. But you're consciously and intentionally looking at your day where you want it to start. How did you fulfill those goals and objectives? Where you're going and what do I need to do tomorrow in order to meet my goals? Or what new things came up today that I got to address tomorrow? Like those are the things that we constantly have to keep getting in our minds. And so that when our minds now can cut off and be like, okay, now I'm good. He's told, he, he put a book in on this one. So this day has a book in on it. Cause sometimes we just keep putting books and 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 never put a book in and then wonder why we start leaning from one way or the other. Cause we didn't put a cap on it. You know what I mean? That cap tells our brain, we're done. This is it. But when we don't do that, then we create that always thinking, always trying to figure stuff out. And then you start snapping on your partner. You stop responding to your friends. You find yourself in a place where you start feeling down on yourself. And at the end of the day, that's not what we're designed for. Thanks, everybody, for checking out this episode of the ABCs of Inspired Teaching. To learn more, go to anchor.fm backslash the ABCs of Inspired Teaching. You can find us online at theledproject.com. Find us on Instagram at the LED Pro- not the theledproject.com. That's our website. Find us on Instagram at the ABCs of Inspired Teaching or it's Kyle Krieger and its.will.law.iii. So... Hope this message finds you well. Reach out if you need anything. We'll talk to you soon.